What up, world? We are back with our MSI preview here, MSI breakdown of the playing stage. And now we're getting into the knockout stage here on Power Spike. Degon, Monty, and Dom here to break things down in the world of League of Legends. And here it is. It's an international event. You can't get more world than that here. Um, we're doing a quick reaction here on our first play-in stage where we got to see the taste of the new format. Different teams coming on in. Billy Billy just shitting on everyone, which was uh, pretty pretty interesting. I guess not Golden Guardians. That was a close series. Uh, best of threes. Best of threes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, guys, just let's start off right there. How's MSI been for you? And what are your early thoughts on uh, play-ins, Monty? Uh, I love this format i mean it's everything that we wanted right like yeah. we got to see g2 and blg the favorites in their group kind of sliding through at least we got to see one you know gg did take a game we can argue how competitive that series was and i'm sure we will later on um but it's also fun because in the lower bracket we got to see all the minor regions going head to head and we rarely got those games in a best of three like a definitive format it was just those best of ones which felt a lot more arbitrary and yeah. then also i think what was surprising was we saw ljl and or the japanese rather and the vietnamese teams eliminated first and so in a way this was kind of a, a rise of the West across of like Latin America, America, Europe, and uh, and Brazil kind of making the the deeper runs than than we thought they would. So I think it's disappointing um, because consistently we've expected more out of Vietnam, um, Vietnam and Japan at these events, and they've never like it feels like they haven't really ever like truly delivered on that hype outside of like LJL's like minorly impressive run at, at international events. Yeah. But even with Arya back in the fold, it just it wasn't there this time. What about for you, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I think the format is a lot better than previous formats, mainly because you have the conflict between the regions you want to see the conflict between. I think that wildcard regions have their like their egos and you know their 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 worth based off how they perform versus other wildcard regions. I don't think it matters if a wildcard region loses to like LPL or loses to LCK. So in previous uh, formats we had like the three group system where you don't see that interaction where you get to see like which wildcard regions are actually better where in this one you're actually getting to see the matchups of like you know loud play versus like a vietnamese team and you get or a japanese team you get to see the the matchups between the regions so you can rank the wildcard regions not just the fact that they are worse than all the major regions is what which is what we saw last time yeah it it, it reminds me of a much better Worlds 2017, I remember when that was when they had the play-in stage and you had uh, the minor regions kind of playing against each other with the the top teams, but those were all still best of ones. And it felt like, I remember by like day three, I was like, I don't really remember who's playing who, whereas these best of threes and it being double elimination created more of a sense of urgency to 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 win, to pay attention. And the, I think the broadcast did a little bit of a an, a, an extra oomph in maybe too much in terms of and they win their first best of series. It wasn't a best of five, but it was a series win for Latin America. It's a series win for Brazil. It, it, honestly, in my head, I was like, hasn't Brazil already won already? Didn't they kaboom like a team already? I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That was, that was the best one. That was the best one. But, you know, it, it is a nice reminder of like, hey, this is a step up. This is, you know, this is history yeah, for them. I, I think I think the analogy here that, that makes it more interesting is the previous format 
was like, you know, if you make a, like a Formula One comparison, it was basically like watching a race that was only like Red Bull and Williams and Red Bull was just <laughs> like lapping Williams. And it was really fucking boring. And you didn't yeah. have any of the cool like mid table or low table drama like Williams versus Alpha Tori or something like that. You know what I mean? And yeah. so this feels a lot more fun because we get to see, the, you know, the easy qualification of, of the best teams in the format, which is what we expect. But we also get to see some really, like, at least interesting regional matchups that we were kind of denied earlier. So in my mind, this is already this is already a success. Uh, however, the cost of success for Brazil and Latin America came at, the expense of two teams that have found international success, success before. And honestly, I feel like came in with expectations in Vietnam sure. and, and, L, and LJL, both uh, GAM, the best team in Vietnam that has been the best team in Vietnam for you know years now, and the winningest team in domestic history, other than like, I think T1 in, in, in uh, Korea, which is detonation focus me and LJL. Like they they go year after year. Utapan is inevitable, except <laughs> they've faltered here. They didn't win uh, a single match. I think I interviewed him, and that was what he said. He's like, "That was my biggest regret. We didn't win a single match, and have to go back to the drawing board again." Uh, do you feel like that's what does that say about minor regions? And you know, should they have expectations like that here, Dom? Uh, not really. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I, I think that the, the interesting thing about this uh, that we can see going forward is that uh, the supposed advantages that you have of like VCS and and uh, LJL and even PCS are are not really coming to fruition. The whole reason why people think these these wildcard regions are going to be better than regions like Brazil, for example, or is because of the isolation of Brazil. Brazilians can only play against other Brazilians. You can't play on NA. If you play on NA, you have like 150 ping, and it just ruins the experience completely. It just uh, completely limits your ability to learn and, and, and improve. So if there's never going to be like an America server the way that there is in, in VCT where they kind of try to uh, combine like you know, LLA and Brazil and uh, North America together. If there's never that, which they that, absolutely should do, by the way, which, they yes, absolutely. I, should I think that would be that. really fun. I think that would be really fucking sick for for everyone. I think it would be exciting for everyone um, involved. I think that 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 it, it showed that Brazil and and LLA, even though they are limited, they're finding ways to actually get better. And like, obviously, there's a lot of importing going on in these regions. If you like, know CB Law. Um, and LLA. I mean, there was a point where I looked at the LLA teams and almost every single one ha has two Koreans on it. It was just Koreans all over the place. I mean, the team that Jose Diodo was on with TakeOver, which names that people should know from uh, LCS last year. I mean, they were playing with Sam D, who is a, a, a known player, played in Hanwha Life. Uh, he played in LPL briefly as well. So I mean, they're playing on fleek with... is in an LLA team, right? Yeah, on fleek is in an LLA team. Uh, he was in a team that was in the that was in the finals. Like you have a lot of talent within these regions. Obviously, in Brazil, the new signings uh, or the new signing is Trick. So Lava, if you remember Lava from LCK, he now plays in a team called Los Grandes in CBLOL, and uh, they're playing with Hirit as a top laner, and they just subbed here it for trick um in cb law so you are getting like a lot of players going there and i think that these these imports are helping elevate the region we've seen a breakthrough here i think that this is a pretty significant breakthrough the fact that i mean ljl was the last wildcard region that made it to the group stage um in 2021 worlds like even though they did go zero six or whatever i mean they were able to make it past the pcs2 seed which was extremely surprising at the time obviously there was the issue with 
you know, somebody getting called match picking <laughs> you know, over a titty pick. But I, I think, I think you I love bringing that story I, up. Of course, it, it's it's so funny to me. I don't know. I think I've discovered the secret as to why we have these regions leveling up from Korean imports, but it doesn't happen as much in LCS. Oh, okay. So when the go. border wall was built, it had an unintended side effect of keeping the skill vampires in America. It's oh, actually blocking yeah. them from going south into Latin America and Brazil. So they're skill vampire free right now. Oh, yeah, I think I think on a serious note, I think it's also the type <laughs> of imports that they get. Like they get the imports that are still hungry to improve, that are trying to prove themselves. Whereas a lot of LCS oh, imports, it is no. kind of retirement. It is kind of a, a, like a time where it's like, yeah, I mean, Pelshik, you won worlds. Come to Team Liquid. Do you yeah. like Marvel? Yeah, I mean that's 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 exactly the difference, right? True. Like somebody who's yeah, just won point. worlds is probably gonna have less of that grit, that hunger to get back than a player like Root, for example, or even a player like Trick at this point. Obviously, Trick has a lot of accomplishments, but he just was in the military for two years, right? So when he comes out of the military, he wants to prove that he's still good. He wants to like grind league again. He's probably been thinking about playing pro league for for this amount of time. So I think that the difference of imports, like instead of importing the tier one Koreans, they're importing like a lot of the, the tier two Koreans, which we've seen have success even globally. Like Photon has done pretty well compared to expectations. Berserker obviously uh, did really well. well coming out of challengers. So I think these, also, these are actually really good imports. Also historically, I mean, we've seen Korean players who, who kind of start their career in Brazil, like Ole come to America lcs afterwards and actually have quite a bit of success what about crown what about crown? oh my god you're right <laughs> yeah that's a crazy one that's a crazy one a lot of people True. don't remember that but crown yeah, began yeah. his career in 2014 in brazil and he ended up becoming a world champion yep. uh world world champion the three years later and then retirement homed here in stuffed optic and he had a briefly good that's run. the difference Digon, is they're getting crown when crown is hungry to improve his first year he wants to shoot show that he can compete he wants to make it back to lck he's he's there to prove himself we get crown after he's won a world championship had a failure at world and he's just trying to fucking cash in a check I, I i will say like think about the the imports this year that kind of came in and surprised everyone or not surprised but performed gory right i river? mean gory, river last gory. year river boogie like these yep. are kind of journeymen that were have been hungry and then you look at the big name guys that we also brought in looking at you team liquid and it was you know it was not the same result at all not the same result uh so uh just a oh the last thing about the minor region teams and and things that i miss i miss having osh here i think having australia here to talk to shit, to stir things up would have been a lot of fun. And I think it's I a shame. It's a shame. I hated watching them. Fucking eight games. We had to watch them go zero eight last worlds. And <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, none of the like, games are competitive. Like it's just it's just a waste of look, time. I don't know. Like you're gonna see you're There'd gonna see Fudge talk some shit soon. Don't worry about it. I know, <laughs> I know. But just you can't have the Pentanet, Pabu, that whole team with they're not here, you know? Unfortunately. And, and, the new format, because obviously they have a chance to get here, right? Do you, do you, are you guys familiar with how the uh, how OCE qualifies now? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so they go into the PCS playoff bracket. Ah, what? Yeah. So it. the the that's top teamers, So the top two teams are, go into the PCS playoff bracket. So PCS is top six PCS, and then top two LCO. That's great. I actually really like that. Yeah, but they won. One game 
<laughs> out of 13. And they were playing against like the fifth and sixth PCS teams. So if you're like not better than the fifth and sixth PCS teams, like I don't really want to see you internationally, unfortunately. So it is what it is. Besides, nothing's top- stopping the Australians from talking shit from their island. You know, they have Twitter. We can still get the spice. Maybe they should do some interviews with them. <laughs> They're Americans at this point. They 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 qualify as NA players. So yeah, I'm actually some qualify at it right through now. NA. Yeah, Chiefs they got stuffed, and then Team Bliss they got stuffed. Yeah, there we go. Okay, never mind. It would have been nice to see them here. It would. It, it just yeah. I guess I was seeing a lot of uh, Rusty and Mac and. Uh, whoever Rusty's partner was, they 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 had their finals for OCE over at uh, DreamHack, or they had a DreamHack at the same time. So it just got me thinking about international events in OSH. So bummer, but maybe they'll find their way uh, in the future. Okay, so that was just kind of like a quick reaction on uh, the tournament so far. Let's now look at the future that we just saw there, the bracket draw, as we had the teams that we thought would make it through, made it through. Uh, and we've got ourselves a wonky draw. It is LEC versus LCK, both sides on the top, and LPL versus LCS, both sides on the bottom. And uh, let, let me just ask you this, Dom. How do you feel like the bracket draw went? I think it actually just went as bad as it possibly could. When it comes yep. to, like, if you try to think about a worse way that you could have lined this up, I don't think you could have had anything worse because even if like if any of the teams were swapped if t1 was on the other side then at least you get like t1 versus jdg compared to like a potential blg versus uh genji which you want to see right you want to see these teams interact with with other regions where right now if you if you i'm sure if you look at like the odds and you just look at what's the most likely scenario it's just going to be LPL versus LPL, LCK versus LCK, LEC versus LEC, and LCS versus LEC. Basically, it's a rematch of all LCS, yeah. four regional finals. Except for... Except for G2, but yeah. Yeah, except for G2, because LEC has a different format. But I think that that's the, the tough part about this draw. And then the other thing is that you don't cross over, right? Yeah, you don't that's cross what I was going to ask. In the lower bracket. So it's not like you lose, and then the match is like, oh, the loser of the bottom side plays versus the loser of the top side, which obviously that could backfire as well. I mean, no matter yeah, which way you do basically, it. Basically, the problem with that is that the crossover doesn't really work because if you were to cross over between groups, like we saw for the last chance qualifier between GG and uh, uh, PSG, then mm -hmm. it makes sense to do that because they haven't like played each other and they've been in opposite double limb bracket. The problem with um, the crossing over the loser's bracket here is it could create the exact same scenario yeah, exactly. of like LCS versus LCS and LEC versus LEC in the lower bracket. What you should do is make it so that, and this is, I, I agree with Dom that this is the worst possible bracket that could have been drawn. And so we're unlikely to see anything this bad in future iterations of MSI. So I don't think the format is is terrible. But one thing you could do, and especially because um, it's a double elimination tournament now, so you have a little bit more leeway with manipulation of the upper bracket because teams will have a second chance. But you could make it so uh, regions can't be in the same side of the bracket. And if you do that, then you solve a lot of these problems. Yeah. But, yeah, you then, do that. You, but then don't we just kind of know who's playing who? I guess you pull one draw and then it's like, all right, cool. We know the rest of the bracket. Well, yeah, I mean, if you did fine. that, if you did that first for Korea and China, you know, like you just have like, okay, Genji's on the top side, which means that BLG also has to be on the top side, which means that T1 has to be on the bottom side. And then you just slot the other teams like 
in there. And I think yeah. that that would be more entertaining because when I watch international tournaments, my whole gripe with international tournaments the entire time is that I want to see the teams that have similar skill levels play against each other. So I want to see EU versus NA and I want to see Korea versus China. And I feel like this bracket, like the way it was drawn, obviously it's not the format's fault, but the way that this was drawn, you're going to have the least that you could have had the least, you know, cross region interaction um, that you could have had. So it's just, uh, it's unfortunate because what does that, what does that even like really tell us if like, we might not get to see EU versus NA in one best of five the entire time. Like yeah, that's completely it's reasonable. very likely to happen, right? Very likely to happen. It's most when, likely going to happen. So, shit. W- wouldn't that be but counter counterpoint? Counterpoint. So the the that's the unfortunate part of this draw. If you are, if you have patrician tastes and enjoy the finer things, <laughs> the upside to this draw is that we are you know, highly likely to really get some spicy matches like in the later stages of this tournament. But you'd get those no matter what is the thing. Potentially, right? potentially. I, but there's, a, I think there are very low chances of upsets with the bracket the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think- this, like, the... let, me, let me put it this way. If you, have, if you have China and Korea hitting each other in the first round, then you're only one upset away from one of those tournament, one of those teams being eliminated, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you're kind of like two upsets away from one of those teams being eliminated right now. Yeah, but for me, I'd like almost rather see. Like, I don't care if there if there's an upset that could make a team that should go further. Like, they they knock out a stage earlier. I just want to see like the matches itself. Like, if they do get upset, sure. at least I'm getting I'm seeing them get upset by you know a region that's not that's not themselves. Like, if T, if T1 just loses to Gen G and JDG just loses to BLG, it's like, fuck, man. Like, that means that... Yeah. Oh, shit, what an upset. Yeah. I, I, I do think, I do think that, that, again, this is not likely to be repeated and it's unfortunate we got the bracket this way, but also I think the easiest way to fix that is just to make it so teams from the same region can't be on the same side of the bracket. And even though that leads to a limited number of outcomes in the way the bracket could be drawn, very limited, it's still better because we get to see those matchups and it's, you can, when you have a double elimination system, you can manipulate the bracket harder because teams will have a, another opportunity, even if the, the first stage doesn't go their way. So I would be in favor of that, but ultimately this format is still great. And yeah. I think it's a minor change that you can, you can make for future years. Well, I think about this, the last world, the last MSI, we had three best of fives, the entire tournament. It's 66 yeah. <laughs> best of ones actually ended up being 69 because of the replayed best of ones for RNG. So you had 69 best of ones into three best of fives. And now you have 15 best of fives in the tournament. Huge. I, I was realizing while you guys were bringing up the topic, uh, why I was so opposed to it. I was like, I just want a good draw. But Dom's like, I want good matches. I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think the matches and also to be fair, we've skipped a couple of patches on most of these regions ever since the end of the the summer finals. So when we talk about seeing these matchups again, they're going to be different. You know, we're on a different patch. We're in a different meta. The meta looks pretty different than we saw most of the teams competing on several weeks ago, like a month ago. And I think it's going to be very entertaining to watch rematches between these squads. Like, I'm not sad if I see another matchup between Gen G and T1. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sad either. It's still a good matchup, but I'd rather see 
Gen G versus versus uh, BLG and T1 versus J- JDG. That, well, that's we, what still, it is. we still might see those. So yeah, <laughs> we still might see those. But All exactly. Right. But the thing is, if it happens in the upper bracket, then you could potentially see them multiple times, which would be like really sick over the course of the yep. tournament. Yep. Well, that's the draw that we had, and we got here by our topic of our Galaxy Brain Club today, which is the success of the West so far here at MSI. We had expectations, and rarely as a North American fan at international event, when there's a team with even the slightest bit of expectations, do they meet it? Golden Guardians met it, and uh, G2 went sailing on through. So let's get into it, the topic of our Galaxy Brain Club. All right, so as we touched on earlier, for the minor regions, it came at the cost of VCS and LJL. And up top, you know, G2, they look good. Golden Guardians, they beat PCS. They gave a run for the money for uh, BLG. And I was on Dom's co-stream where we got to see exactly what we thought we were going to see. Licorice handling Ben. It was (laughs) great. It was awesome. Everyone in that co-stream was like, isn't uh, I remember like you know like uh, oh, I was gonna do the Yamato. Isn't Bin like the greatest player in the world? You know, and <laughs> hey, that was that was pretty. Maybe it's licorice. Yeah, it was not anything okay. like him, but we'll take it. No, come on, that was okay. That was okay. That was okay. <laughs> as a, as a, somebody who spends the majority of my time inside of Yamato's nutsack, it sounds very different than what all I'm right, all right, here. All right, all right, all right. I, I gave it a shot, but you know, wh- how do we make of? Uh, Okay, we could go with the West, but let's start with Golden Guardians kind of just making it through despite expectations to to possibly falter. But not only did they yeah. not falter, they looked good. They looked good against this competition. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the series versus BLG is like kind of carrying a lot of people's expectations because they did get like slapped in all of the early games. Yes. Their balling was it's just getting Jesus completely like fisted. So. It was bad. <laughs> it was I mean, bad. I think they, they had a good comp in game two and they, they outplayed in mid game. I think the surprising thing from Golden Guardians from watching them all year is that they used to be the team that could get leads early game and then they would throw Every mid game, they were so bad mid game, but now their mid game is actually um, a lot better than it was before. And even versus like better teams, it looks like they're they're finding ways to outplay mid lane uh, mid game. They're a lot more decisive in a lot of the fights, the way that they take them, um, the like, angles that they look for. It just seems like they've somehow got coordination up uh, a little bit in the last few weeks. So that's really good. Um, to see because I don't think that winning early game and just stomping games versus international teams is like v- a very consistent way to to win games. Like for example, their first match is JDG, right? If you go into a match versus JDG and your your game plan You're is trying to like out skirmish them early game, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you really want to like be out skirmishing them in like the early mid game. So yeah, uh, I look forward to them opting into some like three v threes in the in the lower part of the map. Oh yeah, that's going to work out really well for them. Because every time I see that, Ruler ends up with like a triple kill and then yeah. JDG steamrolls you in 18 minutes. I mean, I mean, I do think that Ruler's... I think the, the the combination of players with Ruler, I think, is actually really good the more you watch it from JDG because you have a bunch of players that are really good at setting up fights and then you have like one of the best cleanup ADs of all time slotted into that team. So, I mean, obviously that's a different matchup, but Golden Guardians overall, I mean, they, they just look like they're playing better league than they were... Um, in North America, and then Licorice is just laning well. I mean, Licorice had so many issues. Like he was bad at laning. His team yep. fighting wasn't good. His team, fi- his TPs were bad. Like he was legitimately one of the worst players. He was potentially the worst player in LCS over the first six weeks of LCS. Like 
I, I don't even know if, if, who else you would throw in that category. Come on, we can say like bottom five. He, like we we had some stinkers to to no, kick no, off. No, 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 no. But especially relative to his team, dude. Like remember relative the team, sure. game? Come on, man. That I mean, was, think about bad. how bad you have to to be playing to look that bad while you're on a team that's winning a lot of games. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big the big part of it. So. I think that almost people are doing a disservice to him, even though they're trying to make it seem like he was good the whole time. I think they're doing a disservice to him to try to make it seem like he hasn't improved that much. Like he has went from being one of like a massive liability to golden guardians to being extremely solid. He's like always relevant in the games. His TPs are good. He doesn't get caught. You know, he's just being effective in these games. Yeah. And I think, so there's, there's two factors to this. One is like licorice definitely was, the like the primary factor in the game they won versus Billy Billy to get them back into that game. The other one was their team composition because I mean, Elk's life was basically hell uh, <laughs> yeah. in yep. that draft. And so uh, to me, it's licorice. There's three kind of factors that are going into golden guardians um, like glow up here. I mean, first off river and gory are doing well. I mean, They're river studs. kind of ri river river was kind of, us early game in some of these in, in the earlier stages of this tournament but this morning uh he i thought he played really well in, in the match they had against uh psg but when we talk about licorice it's his improved individual performance when we talk about the team uh it's been as dom says their their improvement in the mid and late game particularly with target selection and team fights like they have a very clear idea of their win composition with a variety of different comps and how they can execute them. Like in the game, game two versus Billy Billy that they won, a lot of it was really good engages and chaining of CCs on Elk so that they could burst him even through like Lulu ult and, and the protection that he had in the back line. Now, and then the third part of that is that their drafting has been very good. And I think this is really like a credit to the coaching staff is that they have, they are a great drafting team on red side. And other teams don't respect them very much. Even the casters at times were, you know, when they were on red side, first uh, first round of the draft picking Cassante were like forgetting that this team had Cassante banned against it in LCS for very good reasons. Because they're basically, they took a page out of Gen G's book where they flexed it into mid lane. And it was incredibly annoying to deal with because Gory's first versatility in the mid lane champion pool is is notable. And it makes it very unpredictable for how they are going to set up their drafts. So I really like what we've been seeing from Golden Guardians. And it, especially in the PSG series, it, it felt like big draft diffs in all three of the games. Uh, let's move our focus now from Golden Guardians on over to G2, who, you know, I guess a couple weeks before the season was over, I guess their second season, the spring split for uh g2 it was a foregone conclusion they're gonna be the number one seed they're gonna slide on through and then they faltered right then we had the mad lions uh playoff uh story armor where or plot armor where they just went in and you know earned their spot weren't sure what we we're gonna see out of g2 started off with nautilus mid and caps just playing whatever we wanted but it turns out hey Nautilus mid, not too bad you know people are starting to use it and work through it and they look good uh, what did we expect? Did, did, did G2 hit the expectations that uh, we had of them? They didn't for me. I thought they would play yeah. better. I, I, they also had a very weak group. They did. Yeah, they, they had a way easier way to qualify. Like, I'm not sure that they would have done better versus BLG than Golden Guardians did with how they were playing. I mean, they were throwing really hard. I mean, they, they, they had some bad early games. They were throwing. I mean, they almost lost the game to a guy that didn't buy items level one. Like, it was it was pretty <laughs> rough. So... <laughs> Uh, they just don't look 
there's something that I, I feel like they're missing where before they would just snowball these games and win in like 20 minutes every time. And we saw like one of those games, but a lot of their games are back and forth. There's lots of uh, throws. There's flips that don't really make sense. Um, so it doesn't feel like they're completely on their game the way they were earlier on in the year, which is kind of tough to see. I still like what we're seeing out of their because their drafts because they are unique and they do throw people for a loop. Um, they have they have a lot of versatility and the way Caps is playing right now is like roaming either top or bottom at like three or four minutes into the game on the Gragas or the these Nautilus picks. So he's trying to play a more supportive style and they're trying to enable Yike, which has been a big part of their early game plan is like Yikes on a carry jungler. That's been true this entire year at times. Uh, and they have like so, uh, these set plays in the early game where they try and get Yike ahead. Um, I think some of their early tower dives have been good. People have been very quick to praise Broken Blade, but the concern was not that Broken Blade was going to have bad performances against top laners like Ozzy and Robo or Robo, however you want to say his name. Ro so, there's no way it's Robo. <laughs> that's, no right. that's what the broadcast was saying, man. I don't know. They were calling so, him Robo? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Tough. I thought it was like <laughs> he's, he's been on the international stage multiple times. I, think. I don't know, man. Look, yeah, we should have maybe they still call him, I, I don't know what goes on with the LEC casters. They still call Jung Hoon Young Hoon, even though his fucking real name in Korean is Jung Hoon. That's his first <laughs> name. It's that's how you say it. It's not controversial. There aren't other ways to pronounce it. Swedish, man. It's young. They still, they still call it that. So when I see I a yay, I call it yay. I don't yay. know why the riot casters <laughs> yeah. call call people the names that they do. They struggle Yarvin with Yarvin and the Youngo for ye too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they struggle with with Malrong, which they pronounce yeah. Dude, I, I see this all the time. For like, reason, I have the whole world trying to tell me wrong. People are trying to say that this guy named whose name is Zeus, just named after the Greek god Zeus, is Zeus. Like, no, so, it's just Zeus. Like, its name no. is Zeus. Like, it is what it is. Like, that's what that's the name he chose. No. We know of of, no. of all the stories. So the, the, it's like the, the, just everyone's no, mispronouncing it except for me. Right. It's fine. Te technically, 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 everyone's wrong except for me. Yes, Z Zeus in Korean is Zeus because they don't have a Z sound, um, and that's how you would say it. So I agree with you, Dom, but, you know, he also says Zeus, so whatever. And I think, yeah, he I, think there was, I think there I think there was a story that I am not recalling the entirety of right now about a different player named Zeus. So to avoid confusion, he called himself Zeus. Anyway, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. In principle. OK, but, so if I say that my name is not I will dominate and it's I will dominate. And like, does yeah. everyone have to say that then? It's like, no, it you have to change very, the, that has the, a very the, Latin the words. Flair. <laughs> like, yeah, like the, the words no longer mean anything. I just like you have to say what I say. Look, man, I usually you just d default to the player. Prep. I had to listen to Freak say needily on broadcast for like three fucking seasons. I don't give a fuck what anyone says when they're naming things. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, back to G2. The point is, the point is, is like for all of you ready to, you know, throw a victory parade for Broken Blade for beating up on some minor region top laners. Robo. <laughs> Robo slash Robo. And he has he has done well. Part of that was, I think, especially like PSG's talents drafting has been really kind of terrible. Uh, and like the Olaf pick into what they were running, I think was extremely strong in the game two that they had. But you know, it it hasn't been it hasn't been a clean performance from G2 overall, and they do seem to falter in the mid and late game. They have a script that works really well, and it seems like they understand 
how to play the first like 10, 15 minutes of the game. But once they have to start improvising, that's where it can start to fall apart for them. Mm. How, do, do we feel like they have the fix? Is this a fix? Is this a fixable thing? Is it is it just them playing down to their opponents as they normally do or playing up when they play better teams in international events? I mean, I think Gen G is the nightmare team for them. So I don't think that we're going to see particularly compelling performances from them. Like, if you think about the way that Gen G plays, they are very used to this kind of Gragas mid bullshit from Faker, and they have found ways to really punish that early roaming play style. And you have to play against Chovy in the mid lane. And if you want to talk about a team that is extremely like good at playing macro past 15 minutes and exploiting those weaknesses, it's going to be Genji. So I think it's, it's a very unfortunate first round matchup for G2. Yeah. I, I think the same way. I think that the stylistic mismatches in favor of G2 or Genji here, I think G2 just, they want, they, they were essentially the, the team that I was always comparing to T1 the entire year. Like they were just a slightly worse version of T1. G2 is just slightly worse T1. And Genji's style is very good versus a team that wants to fight you early. They're very good at just trading sides of the map and they'll just like, they'll just <laughs> show up at, at, at a Drake, the third Drake at like 22 minutes, there'll be a third Drake where they have like three items or even a fourth Drake. I mean, they'll even give the first three yep. um, and they'll show up with items and just out team fight you. So, and, and a lot of the tough. tricks that G2 uses to get ahead are these like level one, like set plays with, with weird pathing. And Peanut is very good at reading those situations. Like Peanut has faults, but one of them is not like early game pathing a lot of the time. So I think they'll be ready and they'll be able to respond to this really, really well. And I just think it's it's not going to be a super good matchup for for G2. Well, uh, this segment was supposed to be about the success of the West in plans, and we're just putting doom and gloom in the next well, round. They, they were successful, but I think I think it now in retrospect, as we look at the way the groups shook out and the way that Golden Guardians basically completely dominated PSG, there really wasn't a team to challenge D2. And as Dom said, they also like almost lost a game to a Brazilian team where the jungler literally choked and forgot to buy a jungle item. So that whole like invade that they did that was highly successful, where even though they got the smite off, he didn't hit level two because he didn't have a jungle item. They couldn't actually snowball that into a clean win at the professional level. Like that is a fucking disaster. Like yeah. you are behind forever at that point in time. And like, it's I think it's even worse in some ways, because when you have a uh, when you are intentionally playing a carry jungle matchup with Nidalee that you are trying to enable when you get that advantage, that is if you're Canyon, I mean, you just slam it down their throat for the entire game. Like yeah, you, you lose the game eventually, but you you're really strong throughout <laughs> all of it before you lose. <laughs> before, before you lose on the Nidalee, uh, yeah, because the, uh, the, ga the game state, you know, hates leads so it rubber bands people back with experience and and gold oh. in the form of bounties which is a lovely system if you ask yeah me. it's an objectively losing position g2 is in when you look at the enemy sejuani and you're both 103 with 90 cs at the same time you feel like the game is uh completely lost so yeah i i think that i think the g2 have to have to play better maybe some of their their strategy could be good versus versus gen g since they are like not only do they play like a 
uh, early game aggressive style, but they actually play champions that are better with like objective leads. So for example, Belveth, I think could be huge in this series. Maybe they can win some games with Belveth because you can't, you don't, it feels worse to give an objective when you're playing versus Belveth She's than it does get versus Poppy ulted out of the fight once Jungle Poppy returns for Peanut. Poppy got buffed on this patch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Poppy Poppy is back. Poppy is back for sure. Poppy's um, good. Yeah. Poppy's always... The thing is, the thing about professional play with Poppy is because Poppy is just amazing if in the hands of a professional team because you can turn any fight potentially into a 5v4 or 5v3 if you hit a good ultimate, and it allows you such intense objective controls. That if you can get Poppy to team fights in the late game, she's gonna be viable. And we've yep. started to see that. And like the a lot of the jungle nerfs, now obviously she's been been played top lane a lot. Um, but like the W buffs have been really good for her. The the jungle nerfs have been really good for her. So she is actually a flex, flex as well. And like I'd be shocked if we didn't see Peanut playing Poppy this tournament. Yeah, I think I think that that is is good in the initial series, but I think that that could completely skew the T1 matchup because one of the things that you could do to peanut up before is like he had like four junglers to play and you could pretty much guarantee that he was going to go th through like the Vi, Wukong, you know, Maokai, Sejuani phase. Like he was going to go through that progression of junglers. But now the fact that they can pick Poppy as well and Poppy is strong, it's not like some niche pick where, you know, you could get him on it, but it won't be great in the game. I think that that could be really effective versus a player like owner who likes to play champions with dashes. He likes to play Lee Sin, you know, like that's his, that's his thing. He wants to play things that are early yeah, aggressive. That can, well. Yeah. The Lee Sin, Viego. I mean, he wants to play like if Nidalee is coming back, I think owner would be one of the players that would play that, you yep. know, there's definitely a lot of things within um, owner's wheelhouse that, you know, would be bad into Poppy um, that he probably wants to play, especially like Kazix coming back. I can see owner playing that as well. If it ends up being meta at this tournament. So. I, think, I think Kazix is a, is a bait pick, but yeah, I think, I, well, I don't know. I think Kazix can run an entire game. Like if you get a, a good game for it, it is a OP pick. It shouldn't be like a blindable pick, but that's something I think that there is value in leaving your jungler a later pick. Whereas before it was just trade Wukong, Vi, Maokai, Sejuani, trade it all at the beginning of the draft and, you know, don't give a fuck about it. But now I think that there's a lot of champions you could pick that are jungle flexes where you could end up putting him in the jungle. So you are kind of early picking your jungler, but um, you're able to then flex those into another role and get yeah, a super Pop OP. Poppy, Gragas. Yeah, these picks. Poppy, yeah. Gragas are the main two, right? Like those are two champions that I think could be really effective for teams that have laners and junglers that are willing to play it. If you're able to play both top lane Gragas and jungle Gragas in like any game, that could lead to some really nice angles where you just put Gragas versus tank or you use Gragas to block, uh, you know, some bruiser top and suddenly you have a monster Kazix game. All right, guys. Well, that's a lot of looking forward at what is next for our successful West playing teams. And we'll dive into some of our uh, exciting matchups and signing players in just a little bit. But one of the great things about international play is that it's an opportunity to bring back uh the casual fan they're like oh cool faker's playing yeah i know faker yeah let's go ahead and watch oh this team hmm. uh is better than t1 okay yeah sure like I'll, I'll get involved but it can be very difficult to kind of understand what's happening if you haven't seen it in a little while and that is going to be the topic for our tough to swallow segment here about msi and tournament overlays each one's always different and monty's got a thing or two to say about All right, so I I enjoy 
how the different regions have different aesthetics, have different looks that you can tell immediately by the overlays in game. But my problem is, is that we are constantly getting different information every fucking time we tune into a different stream. So, for example, you know, over in the LCS, we had the old FTX gold advantage. Turned out it was a pretty big disadvantage for LCS in the end <laughs> to have FTX. But jokes aside, it at least showed the difference in gold between the two teams at the very top of your screen at all times, which is a very useful metric to see. Now, we could argue that gold spent difference is probably a little bit better because it actually reflects the power that any team has at a different point in time. But at least it gives you a vague idea. And, you know, even after the FTX deal exploded, that metric has stayed there. You know, in some leagues, we actually get to see at the bottom of the screen in between the champions on the overlay, the difference in gold at all times between two different players position by position. Again, very helpful if you're trying to assess game state. Now, we used to get the MasterCard Mythic pop-up. That apparently has been deleted this year. And instead, what we're getting is the MasterCard, like, gold difference at 14 minutes. Again, that's traditionally thought of as kind of the end of laning phase. So can be very useful, right? When we see those statistics, as well as like the number of tower plates that have been taken, which we also see at the same time. But there is no standardization for the information that you're getting, which makes watching League of Legends a deeply annoying and confusing experience, not only for the casual fans, like Degon was talking about earlier, but for experienced fans, where I feel like every time I watch a different league, I'm trying to desperately find the information that I can find on one of the league, such as gold difference for player, and I just feel like I miss that. And it also feels like Riot is intentionally gating this information from people by trying to sell it to sponsors, and if they don't sell it to sponsors, then it just doesn't exist. And that is just very, very annoying as somebody who wants to watch the game and be able to assess game state and get the necessary information you need to compare player and team performances while the game is live and ongoing. So I really wish we could have a standardized set of feature broadcast features around the world so that when we enter an international tournament, it's not like we're all thrown for a loop because we're not getting the same numbers on the screen. And also, even the, the graphical overlay is bad. Like, we don't have the white lines on ultimates and summoner spells, so you're literally just dealing with a shaded out circle, which can be very difficult to see at times whether somebody's ult is, like, up or, like, just about to come up or, like, was just used uh, sometimes. So it the snap information of this overlay has been really hard, and I, I just absolutely wish we could have some sort of uniformity across the regions and across international tournaments so that not only all the information is presented in a similar way, but also even the graphics, like, give you the same info like alt cooldowns. Yeah, uh, we've seen a lot of improvement over at the LEC in terms of innovation while still giving you great information. I very much enjoy seeing, all right, this lane is down 0.2K, you know, 0.3K, 300 gold, 400 gold. I like that. You get yeah. it maybe once in a sponsored part well, at the end of the laning phase of like, <laughs> he's up by like 400. I'm like, okay, but... I mean, I just don't want to have to look at two gold numbers at the top of the screen and do math every single, like every minute of the game. It's yeah. very annoying. And... Yeah. It's so annoying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I they, they included some of the things that I like about the LEC broadcast, to your point, Degon. Like, so, for example, um, stacks. So, like, Syndra shards are now, <laughs> you know, readily available. Yeah, the problem is it replaces the It replaces keystone. the rune. 
Yeah. Yep. So yeah. sometimes I have to go back. That's true, Dob. Sometimes I had to go back to like the start of the game to when they show the runes. So I'm like, oh, okay, which runes are you running? Yeah. Yeah. Monty is a boomer and he wants things to be easier to look at. He's got <laughs> I, I don't want to have glasses, guys. okay? <laughs> but no, seriously though, it, it's it's not just about being a boomer. If I'm watching this on like a television, which I frequently do, right? And I have to, you know, the ult circles are very small and like it's hard to tell if the ult is actually finished or if there's like a tiny slice of like, you know, a, a muted color because it's kind of like shaded out. It's not even like black and white, yeah. right? Yep. It's it's super hard to see. It's it just it's very hard to see. And like I, I feel like going back to when I was casting, if I was a caster, that would drive me up the wall because I would want to be able to call out if there's like a team fight and they're fighting before the ult is up. But if I'm not sure, I wouldn't be able to make that decision. Do they not just get the actual analysis. specter? Do they not just get the spectator client? No, a lot of the time uh, they, you just they, get the live feed. You, you you cast off a program feed a lot of the time. Yeah. Damn. Well, I agree with you, but I'd rather just insult you and call you a boomer. So I'm going to say boomerize. <laughs> well, you can do both, turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I will agree. <laughs> I'll just say boomerize and Monty can't do math. So that's why he's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, man, I just don't want to fucking like math test, like a quick math test every three minutes when I could just look at a number instead. I, I just, you know... I. It's just one of those things that's I appreciate that all of the regions are trying to innovate and provide, you know, new information for their audiences. I just wish we could somehow have them all talk to each other and like share those innovations in some way or like at least bring them to the international tournaments. I know people talking communicate <laughs> League of Legends leagues communicate. We get dictated. I mean, Adam, have, have you found that have you found that annoying in your co-streams as well? Because like the the old the old timer things without the like white line indicator really threw me off for this one. I was like, what the fuck? I haven't seen this in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely threw me off. I mean, the first day they didn't even show the keystones. They just showed like the overall rune tree that the person had and it's like well that doesn't tell me anything like i want to know if he has spellbook or glacial augment like just knowing he has inspiration is not good enough in a lot of these situations <laughs> sure. um so that was weird and then also like there's this glitch that happens like every game where it's just like it's like the screen glitches out and you just see like the red like defy thing and i didn't know if that was intentional at first i was like is that like a like a promotion are they trying to make it like defy like in the middle of the game but <laughs> that is fucking jarring whatever it is so th that was what I was going to say from my time in uh, Valorant. There's an overlay, an esports overlay um, client or, or system that is used. I forgot what it was called. And it would crash. So part of me thinks, th to, to your point, Monty, part of me thinks that the thing crashed because they're obviously doing a road show. It's not in the LEC studio. And they're doing it in Europe, which apparently nothing can fucking work in Europe. So. Yes, no, nothing works on the road like, in Europe. There's a new because they don't talk to each other. You, you know, America has kill vampires. Uh, Europe has server vampires that just <laughs> go into the tournament realm and just suck it dry of all its overlays. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's part of what's happening. So they had to go a little bare bones, but I do agree with one unifying what stats we're going to see and then two if a sponsor doesn't pick up a a stat 
or or a, some sort of overlay that it, it sucks that it just disappears like that that that's trash like we have the aws win probability that keeps popping up now by the way like, i do like that um it, just as an aside like the aws sponsorship i think is interesting and it, it's much like the the stuff amazon does with the nfl yep. where it's like you know catch that's probability. probability which like could be bullshit you know i don't know but yeah. <laughs> it is fun it it is fun i will say to like see that win probability graph and then like have it go from like 99 to the Gives other you a way. new way to like flame players you could just be like oh, how did they throw this was, 99. this was like three percent win probability <laughs> <laughs> i think it's fun i think it drives discussion and even though it's probably kind of bullshit right because unfortunately like what what amazon stats can say is like with this golden objective lead this is the probability that teams have to win, but obviously they there's so many infinite combinations of team compositions that you do need some level of expert eye test to really judge win probability. Because if you have a hard scaling composition or et cetera, et cetera, it's also not taking it. I, look, I don't know what metrics they take into account, but it's probably not also based off of team data. So like if one team has a higher potential to come back generally speaking based on their stats so i'd love to know exactly what they're pulling into that i think it's probably just general game data but i think that it would be weighted i mean i don't see why like i mean if betting weighted companies are what, able though? to well i mean they, they would wait like you know like champion scaling and stuff like that you know that could be within the, are they like, pulling from like all... a number yeah. Are they are they pulling from like all solo queue data? Like I don't know what what that information is, or is it just professional play data? Who the I would fuck assume knows? it would be professional play data only. But I mean, I yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I mean, the best way is obviously if you have a computer and you have like a very knowledgeable human as well yeah. helping with it. More bodies when we could just get Amazon to pay us this thing where we just put a basic stat over it. Why would we do that? That cuts it anyway, over. I, I, my point is, I is in spite of all the flaws, I actually enjoy it. I think it's been a fun addition. It'll yep. be it, 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 um, the stats and the overlays will be something that also will be a uh, I guess work in progress here for MSI throughout the rest of it and also in the future, kind of like the 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 brackets. I'd say the brackets and the draw. Um, okay, that was our tough to swallow. Next up, we. Almost couldn't wait for it because we were so excited to talk about how uh, Gen G is matching up with G2. But it's time for a high key, low key, no key on our excitement for the teams and the players that are matching up against each other in the playoff bracket. So we'll see what we think are the boringest, kind of excited, and most excited matchups. Let's get to it. All right, so let's start on the bottom side. And again, it can be a player. It could be a team. It could be a region. You know, now that we have the regions kind of locked to one side. So let's start at the bottom. Something that you're not excited about that we're going to have to do and we're going to have to see whether it's a player or a team. Monty, deep in thought. Dom, deep in thought. Let's go. Yeah, Monty, go. Last, last one. No, <laughs> last one was your segment, Monty. We're going to go with Dom first. Right. Yeah, Dom, you're first. What are you no key excited about? Uh, I am no key excited about the, <laughs> the the potential of NA and EU all losing their best of fives and just China and Korea just beating everyone, which is the most likely scenario. Um, so that that's what I am no key excited about. I, I want to challenge that a little bit because I feel like wow, we're going to get to see not, four regional finals for again. The inevitable C nine upset over Billy Billy Gaming. Inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when was the last time that 
NA lost to or NA beat China at a best of five. I actually don't know at an international tournament. Probably it's IG twenty nineteen MSI. Has there ever been another one that they've won? <laughs> like I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> Is that the only time ever in the history of the game? I, was there a World Elite? Cloud9 over World Elite in the... I feel like there's... A there must have been one in the earlier days yeah. of the five. Yeah. Oh, not best of five. That wasn't a best of five. But yeah, yeah no, it'd have to be a best of five. Let me see. I mean, they, have to, we have to go all the way back, I think. Yeah. Well, again, kind of a weird state for the North American mindset because Golden Guardians had expectations and met slash exceeded expectations of plans. And now you expect, well, Cloud Nine's an even better team. They dumpstered them. Maybe they can beat Billy Billy. Yeah. They didn't dumpster them. Like, why did, why, why do people think that? Cloud9 th dumpstered Golden Guardians. I think that after game one, Cloud9 controlled that series. But game, game two, one, they lost. Right. Yeah, well, but they threw. They threw. <laughs> yeah. They threw into them. I still think Cloud9 controlled the series. Game one was really cool and exciting that, you know, Golden Guardians came out punching and Cloud9 wasn't quite ready. But then it felt like after that, Cloud9 Wait, asserted them. Game two? Wait, maybe I'm misremembering the game. Yeah, let's look it up. No, wait, Golden Guardian was just winning from minute one. They're just like 4-0. Oh, okay. That's a big team fight at the bottom side of the map. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, Golden Guardians just literally has controlled the entire game. So yeah. They, they just they won super hard two of the early games. I was thinking of the FlyQuest series. It was the FlyQuest series uh, that they threw super hard. Uh FlyQuest threw super hard to Golden Guardians. You're right. Oh. Well, Either way. Is not Cloud9 the better team that should have these expectations that they should meet? You know, so therefore, I don't necessarily know if, if Cloud9 uh, is is better than Golden Guardians right now, because I think Golden, Gar Golden Guardians is playing a lot better than they did previously. So sure. I don't think they're just playing against like worse teams or something. So I'm, I'm not sure. Like there's a chance that Golden Guardians like I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to see the matchup of Golden Guardians versus C9 <laughs> as, as planned. So, I mean, I, I would think the Golden Guardians would actually give C9 a run for their money. All right. Well, Dom is not excited for the inevitable uh, domestic finals across uh, round two and then just uh, LPL versus LPL and LCK versus LCK. That's that's what he's not excited about. Monty, uh, give us your no key excitement uh, for the bracket stage. My my no key excitement is the Faker versus Niski matchup because <laughs> Niski is basically just the much worse version of Faker at this point in time. He he basically yeah. you know, he's like through. more clutch. He, he doesn't choke as hard as Faker does in big moments. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. He can hit pretty hard right after he makes a big play. So we'll we'll see. But it, also, yeah, it's at not least a, he makes it's a big not, play. It's not a finals, final. You know? so it's not a final. So Faker can't choke in this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, that's when that's when Faker through semifinals has been totally fine. It's when Faker gets to the finals that he has the uh, the random kind of int games right now. But also, he's not the only one on his team that does that. Uh, I, I do think, though, that in this matchup, uh, the Niski's play style has been derived from Faker's innovation, especially around Gragas in the mid lane. And I think that matchup in particular just really bodes quite poorly because a lot of Mad Lion's strength has been on the two on the 2v2 around the mid lane. That is also T1 strength, except they're way, 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 way better as a team. And since it's early in an event, I don't think, you know, Zayas or, or Faker are going to be having their off games like they do in finals. So I think this will <laughs> be a pretty quick dispatching of Mad Lions. I, I, I mean, again, the way that the bracket shapes up, this just might be a very quick round one altogether. Um, for me, I guys. C9 versus Billy Billy will be closer than people expect. I hope so. 
I, mean, I actually think the opposite. I think the Dom people are, are sleeping on BLG pretty hard because they lost one game. But well, I, I think and they shouldn't have lost that game, to be fair. Yeah, and they shouldn't have lost that game, to be fair. And then also, I mean, you got to remember that Golden Guardians bot lane was beating C9's bot lane. Like, they were, like, killing them level one and shit uh, in finals. And, I mean, I think that Golden Guardians bot lane and C C9's bot lane in terms of lane phase are close. And I think that BLG just plays way better around, like, dive timings and stuff. So... I wouldn't be surprised if this if if BLG 3 would them, for example. Like I don't I would probably if I were to, you know, I mean, do, do what I I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I think that's still the most likely outcome uh, of okay. any possible outcome. But of if we had to pick a game that we think is going to be the closest of this original of these series, I would pick C9 versus BLG. Yeah, I'm not sure what I would pick. I might pick I might pick G2 versus versus Gen G. I think G2 might thinking. be able to just like, you know, do the G2 where they play to the level of the opponent that they're facing. That's what they always do. Yeah, it's I mean, so uh, like also when when you look at like C9 for example, I think that there's a lot to to be said for players that, you know, don't have international experience. Like Fudge has never done well at an international tournament uh, up until this point, right? Like I mean, he had like the MSI I guess in 2021 where he was the best player on the team yeah, that didn't he, even make it. it. Yeah, but the rest of the team was very... I mean, he was doing well, but the rest of his team was also doing quite badly. Yeah, I mean, I just... Like, when I'm looking at like, M&S playing his first series, I mean, even if Yagao has played poorly up until this point, I, I don't... Yeah, Yagao, I'm not sure. The, the solo lanes from Billy Billy have been weaker than expected. Especially Yagao has been quite, kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, also Yagao is just, like, the player who doesn't need to win lane to be effective. And... I could I could easily see Yagao just going back to things that he played before, just set up champions and just having, you know, the, the whole game ran through through bot lane. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that G2 at least has I mean, G2 has been Korean killers before, you know, like they've they've been the team that, that's been able to perform from Europe. And they have a lot of people with confidence. And I, I think that G2 can I think it's easier for G2 to play up to Genji's level than if like BLG played well, I don't know if C9 would be able to do anything because I don't think C9 has very good structure in their gameplay. They kind of just won because they were like, they'd make better decisions mid to late game, but I didn't think that they were actually like better than, than, than like than Golden Guardians holistically. It was just, they were better at certain things that are really OP in North America. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm a, I'm kind of a C9 doubter at this tournament. Yeah, you, you sound super C9 doubter because I keep thinking about it. I'm like, all right, uh, you've got multiple MVPs on this roster. You have a wealth of experience in Zven on this roster. Blabber's also failed on the big stage before, so he's getting out of the system. This is literally what he's playing and practicing for. Berserker last year at Worlds had a meta shift that shifted away from him into Fudge in the top lane, who got bodied because he was in a tougher bracket. And Fudge is very aware. I mean, he of was that. getting he was getting bodied by like <laughs> by, by I mean, he was getting bodied by players that are not. <laughs> that are yeah, not been. he was also just objectively much worse at top lane after he swapped back from mid lane last year than he looks this year. I mean, yeah. he's looked much better this year again ever since having kind of the off season to retool back into top side. So yeah, where, where I agree with you is like MNS for sure. Like it's like okay, how is he gonna I mean, react yeah, to international experience. stinker games? MNS, yes, which but. The four yeah. players around him seem like this is one of the best things that you could put around. This is why this roster was put together. Like, I want to at least give yeah, it a Blabber shot. and Fudge were very good in the LCS playoffs overall. So I think maybe if you can. And also, uh, there are going to be some really interesting things that we might be able to see from Cloud9. Like, 
the rise of Olaf, which has been one of Blabber's best champions for forever, and I don't think it's meta in the jungle right now, but I think Blabber has also played it in the past when it hasn't been meta, could be a, an Oof. interesting flex I, I think I think that's probably one of the worst picks to have into somebody like Shun, because Shun is like a kindred Nidalee player at his core. Like, that is what he wants to be playing. So it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, we've also seen a lot of those bands. So I, it depends. Yeah. But especially, let, let, let me put it this way. If they're red side and you flex it into last pick, then maybe it... it and you have maybe the luxury of them not early picking the the jungle or them going with a Vi first pick if you want to like bait that out and then you know opting into a Vi Olaf matchup in the jungle. I think there are ways to do it. And there, there are certainly some interesting angles that C9 could take given the players and champion pools that they have. I think it's one of those like you gotta show up and hope that they play like shit type things. Like if BLG plays like shit, then Cloud9 could win. But if BLG plays like their game. I think it's very hard for Cloud9. I don't because I I mean it's weird. Like when Cloud9 won the championship in, in LCS, I don't I wasn't very happy with their win. I know going forward, like Fudge was like, oh, I feel way better in this team than I felt last year. I thought that they had a way more disciplined style at the end of last year than they did this year. This year they kind of felt like they were winning by having like just better players. I think it feels like the upside is higher because Jensen was so limited in terms of his abilities as a mid laner like his champion pool was garbage like his ceiling even though his floor was uh, are, are obviously higher than i think we've seen from mns because like i had to watch mns's chase games uh but i mean his akali game like he just completely <laughs> lost the game for them like pretty much yeah, uh, dragon but, fight in that but, second game like but i think mns has had higher highs which is what i think fudge might mean that the the ceiling of this team feels like it's probably higher than the ceiling of the team that they had last year yeah um all right, that was a lot for our uh, Noki excitement. For me, it's as much as I love the story, but we just got to see what happened against BLG, the bot lane of Golden Guardians against the bot lane of JDG. If it goes, like, I'm just not excited to see Stick saying who he's magic run out. Like, I love seeing happy, think- happy who he clap it out. And, you know, they, they have great mental, but like, that just seems like a bodying waiting to happen. I I think, yeah, I agree with you. And I think the issue there is that if you, if JDG has the lead in game two that BLG had uh, in game, like if if you swap the teams, JDG will literally never lose that game ever. So that is, that's what's scary is like, if you, if, if GG has a similar bot lane performance to what we've seen, it's, there is no miracle comeback. JDG will just win the game in sub 20 minutes. Well, you also look at the angles that, um, Genji's bot or uh, sorry, Golden Guardian's bot lane, GG's bot lane actually likes to take. So, for example, in the game one, um, where they end up going for set Kaisa into Ezreal Karma, like that's really what Golden Guardians want to do. They want to have who he be able to play one of his picks, like one of his special picks, and kind of like dodge the lane. But you can't dodge the lane and let Ruler get free lane phase. Ruler's probably one of the worst guys to let have a lead in a game because he just doesn't fuck it up ever. Like he he rarely fucks it up. Yeah, like if you're Golden Guardians, wh- where are you trying to attack against JDG? For me, it's you, you go River and Gory and let them do that. But if you need River to come down to help the bot lane, then Gory isn't unlocked to do anything and the leads will just slowly amass throughout you know, JDG and they're not going to let it go. So that's why I, I, I'm not very excited to see this one play <laughs> out. <laughs> All right, let's go to our uh, next one here, our low-key excitement here. Um, Monty, let's start with you. What are you low-key excited about from this bracket stage? 
I think it goes back to what we were saying about C9 versus BLG. I am I am legitimately kind of low-key excited to see Fudge versus BIM. And I know that's going to sound weird, but if Cloud9 is going to win, it's going to or win a game. I don't think they're going to win this series, win a game. I think it's going to be a similar style of performance to when Licorice got the lead and was able to kind of bootstrap Golden Guardians back into that game. So if they can get certain draft advantages like we saw um, allowed Golden Guardians to kind of come back and take that game by focusing Elk and like having you know, the the diving Cassante with the Gragas and the Yasuo really kind of chain CC and, and eliminate Elk in the back line and take away a primary win condition, then I think that's a possibility. And given that Bin's performance has not lived up to expectations so far this tournament, and I think Fudge is coming in off of a high from the LCS playoffs, I'm interested to see that matchup. more Much more than I thought I would be coming into MSI. Let's just say that. The, the expectations have relatively gone up. So I am... It has piqued my curiosity. Dumb. For Loki, um, yeah. I guess I'll go Loki excited for uh, G2 versus <laughs> G2 versus Genji. I'm Loki excited. I think that there's a world where G2, if G2 plays their absolute best, if they play their absolute best, where the series could get interesting. That's that's mine as well for a different reason. I think we've got two of the best rookies in the world there in terms of like how they've performed in uh pays and over in yike yike has been a great story for g2 this year being like seeing if he's oh, ready I, to I, go I, so and i, I want to see it this is not this is not an insult against yike okay i need to be, make this very clear for g2 fans it's just Clip it, g2 rookie. fans it's coming it's just that he's a rookie okay he has been Clip all this out of the clip by the way <laughs> <laughs> he has been crutched so hard by the coaching staff of G2. Like, think about, let me, let me put it this way. In what other universe is Caps playing like Gragas, Sejuani, Nautilus mid lane to support his crazy ass carry junglers? And they have these very early set plays around the jungle pathing. Okay. And it's not a bad thing, it's a great way to win games. But that doesn't mean that Yike is some sort of rookie phenomenon. It means that the team is set up to help him in the same way that EG used to be set up to help Danny, even though people couldn't realize that Danny's job was basically being a superpowered cannon minion on Tristana and like split pushing towers and then showing up and getting resets in a team fight. I, I understand why people couldn't get that, but that's what he did. He had a job. He did the job. The team was set up to facilitate him doing a job and in order to make him shine. But that doesn't mean that he is a pays level rookie player. Okay. So Yike, in my opinion, still makes mistakes in the mid and late game and has gotten caught out and sometimes isn't worthy of all the eggs that have been put in his basket. I think he has a he's had a very good year for a rookie, but that doesn't mean that going up against Gen G is is where you want to be because this team is the macro team and you're not going to fool them with your bullshit. Yeah. Peanut is also a juggler that's pretty good at dealing with like Peanut doesn't need to be mechanically better than you to win. Right. Like yeah. that's his whole thing is controlling players at this point that are better than him mechanically, like just finding <laughs> ways to be more effective and ways to outplay people that are like super good mechanically and he really takes control of games like this so i think it's it's tough man i think it's a it's, it's tough in terms of jungle matchup but i think that there's other things that they could do to to allow him to to still succeed I, the whole thing is when like, yike has some pretty good strengths and you can cover his weaknesses with the other players that are experienced on the roster still it's a losing proposition if both teams play on form but like if a weak gen g plays against a 
you know, top tier G2. I mean, I think G2, when they play their best, they're the best Western team, like by far mm -hmm. when they're actually on form. And they're unique too. They're unique. Yeah. I mean, they play and their own That's style. a huge advantage. Like I, I, you know, I watched a lot of LCK. No one's playing Belveth and LCK, right? Like no. you don't have I mean, Belveth picks. Sometimes, but not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you get an odd <laughs> Belveth game like that in, in just like a random game. But most of the time, like you're not dealing with champions that snowball as hard. So G2, when they play their best, they play with a lot of flex picks. They play with a lot of unique champions and things that are, um, you know, in, uh, that, that just play differently early game. This could be an advantage. Like maybe if they get a really sick, you know, Samira angle or something when they, they do the Nautilus flex and then they have a Belveth and they just stomp the game early. Like G2 knows how to win from advantageous positions. Like if, if the game, if they're really far ahead. So that that's kind of what I'm looking for. All right, those are our three low-key excited. Now let's get to it. The good stuff. What are we most excited for? Our high-key excitement for our playoff bracket. Let's go with you first, Monty. Uh, well, I mean, I won't, I won't cheat and just say like round four onwards, which is <laughs> around round three onwards, where we're gonna get like all of the interesting, probably China versus Korea matchups. If I have to pick something in the in the first round of play, yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for the the top 2v2 between Mad Lions and T1. So that would be Chasey and Elioya versus Owner and Zayas. Uh, because I think both those players, Elioya and Chasey, were huge parts of the Mad Lions playoff run, and Chasey looked, like, really quite good. And it's a big, big test for them in the top side, but also Zayas looked pretty bad in the finals. And again, it's not a final yet, so perhaps he'll, he'll have a better performance. But if if that's going to be the strength of Mad Lions, even though I'm not excited for Faker versus Niski so much, I think it's a really interesting test of Chasey as a player. And El Yoya has been kind of consistently great throughout the LEC playoffs. So this is this is, could be a really fun 2v2 up in the top lane. And it, it provides potentially a way for Mad Lions to get advantages because I just don't think that they're going to be getting a lot of advantages in other parts of the map. Yeah, it, it, boomer bust down there on the bottom side of the map. Uh, but but I mean, Hilly like, Carsey. if 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 Chasey can hold his own against a player like Zayas, that speaks really well of him on the international stage. And for a rookie player to to have like as strong a performance and seemingly without nerves in the LEC playoffs, now they they haven't he hasn't been on a stage this big before because the, we didn't see the stadium matches for LEC playoffs. So maybe he might get some nerves now in a different environment than the one where he played all of his regular season games. But he looked really on poised and on form and unshaken by the stakes of the competition. So I think this is a guy who really has a potential to continue to be a star in the European scene. And I would love him to be a star potentially on the international scene as well. What do you think of that uh, matchup on the top side, Dom? I mean, if I was going to pick something high key, I, I would pick just the matchup in general, not not necessarily just the, the 2v2, but just the matchup in general between Mad and T1, because I feel like either Mad gets like Omega shit on harder than anything <laughs> before, or we get to see like a pretty fun series because Hilly is the type of, if there's a player I would like to send into Karia, it would be Hilly because when Hilly like starts doing his magic, he's just the goat. He's just one of the best players you'll ever see. And when he does it, you know, I mean, look, everyone's probably going to get shit on by Caria, so <laughs> that's what it is. You know, like, I think that this is is going to be a quick one. It's going to be a quick one if Mad doesn't show up, but if they do show up, it could be really interesting. Uh, all right. I mean, for me, 
Time for the chill, baby. Let's go. It's the best team that we've assembled in North America. We're meeting expectations. These guys have failed before. Let's go, Cloud9. Please do something and don't embarrass <laughs> us on the world stage. You guys are set up for success. Golden Guardians was succeeding. If they can get that good, imagine how good you can get with a little bit more time with MS, who's hopefully doesn't sprint it there. You've got on the top side, Fudge, who got rammed in during Worlds and realized he got rammed in. And this is literally the moment that he's building up towards international play, getting to play against some of the best top laners in the world. He's literally playing against the the de facto best top player in the world for a little while in terms of Ben. Come on, guys. You got MVP Berserker. You got MVP Blabber. This is the team. This is the team. I mean, biggest concern maybe is Sven early late Van, phase. Van but... so you can't play it, Cloud. Yeah, man. yeah. Just don't don't overthink <laughs> we it. A lot of Jace, to be Come fair. on, Mithy. Don't overthink it. Just keep it simple. So, all right. That uh, is. By the way, I, I was curious, so I looked it up. This is just kind of a callback um, to who has been playing Belveth. And it turns out that there have only been six games among all the top regions of Belveth in in spring, and all of them have been yike. Yep. Oh shit. Yeah, so I, can see I, that. I, I I I was misremembering from LCK playing it late in the summer uh, when Belveth after Belveth was released. Um, but this uh, it's fun to see that yike is like literally out of all the major regions, which are the only regions left at MSI. He is the only player who has been playing Belveth this year. So speaking yeah. of unique champion picks that I think were surprising or things about champions. I have, I have a Degon stats. Uh, was it, uh, was it Degon stat of the week? Uh, brought to you by no one. Uh, sponsored by no one. Um, this champion and I, you, know, I, you know what? I'll even give it to you. This champion in the bot lane saw so much priority in terms of getting banned. Not one single pick or ban during this uh, MSI. Who is it? Uh, bot during lane champion? Bot lane champion during playoffs for like everyone. Or during uh, the season and playoffs. And then just disappeared. No no picks, no bans. Like AD carry or what are we talking about? Like when you uh, say bot lane champion. Bot lane. Bot lane. Yeah, AD okay. carry. AD carry. It was a, that was picked in regulars. Yeah, it was like constantly, constant prio, and then nothing, nothing here at MSI. It's not Zeri. It's not Affilius. It's not Jinx. It's Caitlin? uh, that's right. It's Caitlyn. There's zero picks and zero <laughs> bands of Caitlyn. Caitlyn fall off towards the end of spring. It did so, for some of the playoffs. Yeah, but like it still wasn't enough. It was still played in the finals of LCK yeah. and stuff. It was constantly yeah. banned. It was the one of the only eighty carries that were that was banned more than. Picked. I think T one will bring it back if I, if I'm being real. T <laughs> one uh, loves that pick, so yeah. I think they'll probably br bring it back. We we opted we've opted into the you know Jinx Ophelios, then Zeri, uh, then uh, Zaya, and then we saw some Zeri there by um, Stixay Kaisa. Also, it was kind of interesting Stixay, but kind of surprising to me that no Caitlyn at all. None. And because Caitlyn's my favorite champion, and we're bringing up champion stats there. So, um, all right. One more segment to knock out here on this episode. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold yeah. up, hold up, hold up. Before, before we go further, I do want to give a shout out to one particular player who maybe started the tournament a little bit better than he finished it, which was Bong. Okay. And a lot of jokes have been made about Bong. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you take your first rip from a Bong, okay. 
it starts usually okay, but just like Bong at MSI, it got harsh towards the end, right? Is there the anything we can you, do to cure the harshness it, of the Yeah, is there anything the you can cloud? do to have uh, a less harsh Bong experience than the one we experienced at, at MSI? And the answer is absolutely yes. With this. This is the glycerin uh, this is the glycerin chamber from a freeze pipe bong and if you don't want to have a harsh experience towards the end of your rip like bong and MSI you can put this in your freezer for an hour and it will cool the smoke by over 300 degrees meaning you can have a consistently good bong experience unlike MSI so please do that. And if you want a freeze pipe, you can go to www.thefreezepipe.com and use code LFN for 10% off your entire order. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Make sure to get, uh, uh, use the freeze <laughs> pipe so that you don't hurt do your neck. To freeze? <laughs> like, okay. What Bob was supposed to do was freeze. Instead, he just inted on Malphite in this last series. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. This is a good one. Again, that was the, I that was the easiest slam dunk read of all time. Thank shout out to Bong. By the way, his name is Bong because his his name like his Wong. Korean name is Bo Ung. So yeah, it was. You know what? We didn't. We did not uh, get the uh, the Bo owner, but we ended up getting the the Bin Bong matchup. They they yep. that, that, that's the good. first game. That's the first yeah. game, and they were just that was the feature matchup. Mercedes Benz, that's what we're picking. We're going bin bong up top lane. Come yeah. on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's close out uh, our episode here with the certified banger from the MSI play-ins. And we there were there were some options. There were some options. We had obviously some historic wins for some of our minor regions, but we went with I think the slam dunk here. It was the Golden Guardians and a Billy Billy Gaming uh matchup. So let's get into it. Certified banger. There was hopium in it, Monty. There was uh, throws. But most importantly to me, and, and, you know, I love North America, blah, blah, blah. Those were the cleanest tower ties I've seen both games or all three games. I don't remember how many times they did it, but they just were. It was so clean. They barely took any damage uh, in the tower dives there. Billy Billy against uh, Golden Guardians. Uh <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they, they literally are more coordinated than I've ever seen them be before. Like, even versus teams that were worse than PSG, like even versus domestic teams, they weren't this clean when it came to their macro. So I don't know what happened. They're just, they just became so much better at this tournament so far. I don't know if it's just confidence or they had some really good scrims or their analyst came in and gave the presentation of a fucking lifetime, but something happened to Golden Guardians because I was not seeing any of this. And I watched every single game they played all split long. Yeah, as I said, the the identification of win conditions, the threat of them on red side with the flex picks, um, I really give a lot of this credit to their coaching staff. Um, I've been really impressed with the drafts that they've had, and it shows the strength of having these good drafts where even in a game where you basically grief level one by trying to like ambush them, then die, then continuously die because you used all your summoners trying to grief and then losing anyway the fact that they were able to come back from this and it was due to licorice's advantages and the fact that licorice river and gory worked extremely well to get the right angles onto elk and to shut him down but the identification of that win condition taking his massive gold lead out of the fight and there being no real follow-up damage i mean you know we're 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 talking about 
Yagao, who is behind on Ari, has an ever frost horizon focus and void staff in this game. Like as soon as Elk is gone and you blow all of the the cooldowns to save Elk from Lulu, you know, there's really nothing you can do about the rest of the Golden Guardians composition. They realize this and I think they execute it really well in terms of the team fights. And yes, Billy Billy has to make mistakes in order for that to happen. And it was a phenomenally large lead that was thrown. But I think inherently Golden Guardians was able to gain a compositional advantage by being tricky in their draft. I mean, they they save, they basically pick Cassante and, and Gragas, which teams in NA were smart not to give them the Cassante because it makes it very difficult to draft against them. And then that enables them to have this kind of Yasuo pick at the end of the draft that sets everything up. So in my opinion, man, it, I, I really like what Golden Guardians is doing. I think they have con they consistently outdrafted uh, PSG in their series as well. But it's a it's a deserved win. And frankly, you can just tell this team is having fun. Like when who he's inting, he's laughing his, his ass yeah. off. Like I just look at his player cam. He's like, ha, I died stupidly. And, I'm like, and then he's like, ha ha, I just made a game winning play because he's had some like really good engages as well. Yeah. So they're playing well, their problem. style. There's probably not much pressure on them either. If you think about no. like where they are in their career, like no one even thought that they would go to MSI in the first place, yeah. right? Like everyone thought it was going to be FlyQuest and C9. So they're just here and they're just like, fuck it. Like, you know, we just play our best. Like we just do what we can do. Like try try your hardest and you know, the results are the results. So I love seeing a team approach NA like, or approach internationals and NA team approach an international like that because it always feels like NA is not able to use the underdog mentality at international tournaments. They go to the, the international tournament and they're like, fuck, I don't want to embarrass ourselves. Instead of just like, use the fact that you're the underdog. All the pressure is on them. They're supposed to beat you. Have fun, do your thing, be confident in the plays that, that you make and just see if you can improve throughout the tournament and see what happens. And also, you know, play to your strengths for God's sake. Like at least who he is on the set and he's like doing things that win them games with it, right? And they're not playing the most perfect meta, you know, strategies that we've seen, but they are doing things that they know how to do and they're using uh, Gory's versatility in the mid lane very effectively in the draft. So I, I like it. Like, I like what they're doing. They have been a fun team to watch. Did they get massively outmatched versus Billy Billy at times? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that bot lane was just a, a war crime, basically. Um, but even, even then, I, you know, in some ways, licorice running it down the whole split has probably given them such insane mental fortitude in these scenarios, <laughs> knowing that they can come back so that now when what their the bot lane is the one inting, they're like, Oh, don't worry. We carried our top laner for a hugely long time. Yeah, I don't know. It feels a lot. We can win guys. We can win in any situation. Don't worry. It feels a lot better in a competitive game when your top laner is the one that's running it compared to your bot lane. When your bot lane is sure. running, it in especially in this game, meta, right? It's fucking tough. Like normally, <laughs> You just feel like, all right, so we just FF at 15 or you're like, do we play this one out? But I'm just saying they, they've trained for this moment. They've trained for this moment, this whole split. It was all just a ramp up into MSI. You have the least consequential player on your team int win anyway, so that when more consequential players do, you already have the mental fortitude. Uh, I, I kind of like that too, because the... The last couple teams to make it, you know, to win a series, a best of five series at Worlds, the Cloud9 teams, they weren't the number one seed, right? Uh, back in 2021, they were the number three seed. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think last time they did it in 20... Oh, what was the last time they won it? It Was was that the uh, Afrika Freaks uh, series? Yep, 2018. Yeah, they were they the number one seed? I'm looking. No, they were the number three seed again, right? So Golden Guardians is kind of embodying that kind of looseness here. 
I, it would be cool at some point that a Cloud9 who dominant in North America shows up Worlds, expects to win, and then wins. But, uh, you know, we're at a point in our stage of our careers and our lives where we'll, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. Right now, we need more looseness like Golden Guardians and have fun and then be the underdog. So, uh, And they embody that in our certified banger of the week against Billy Billy. All right, guys. There it is. MSI play-ins, a nice change, a refreshing change here. Some things that they could improve on in terms of Riot and, and uh, uh, you know, some format things, the overlay. But overall, good. We got, and I like the uh, analogy you used earlier, Monty. It was qualifying. We got some qualies in there, you know. Top teams went on through pretty easy. Uh, Latin America, Brazil, they feel good about themselves. And you got a couple people that need to go back to the garage and ask for more money to make their teams better in Vietnam and LJL. Uh, so we'll see how that things shape up. Uh, where will people find you this week, Monty? Are you still in phone call hell? <laughs> yeah, of course I am. <laughs> it's okay, though. We're, we're, I am too. we're getting through it slowly. <laughs> What's up? different? Oh, I'm on. I'm in phone call hell as well. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. It's a different kind of phone call hell, though. <laughs> and, yep. You know, uh, I think, I, you know, it's it's going to be fun this week, too. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of games. How many games are there, actually? There's two best of fives, both Saturday and Sunday yep. next week, which is fucking insane. So we've got yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight best of fives before our next show. Um so we're going to be most of the way done through bracket round two before we we come back to you guys. But it's going to be a lot, a lot of games to discuss. And I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, as as kind of shitty as this bracket draw was in some ways, it's still a good format and it's still going to produce some good games. Yep. Done. Co-streams? Yeah, co-streams. And I've just been spending time uh, personally attacking Odo and DMs for what he's done to the tournament. What he did to Excel and then what he did to the team in the tournament. He's just a, he's just a kryptonite right I wonder now. how much money, this is what I thought about. I wonder how much money Odo has lost MSI in general. Like Riot Games, when they saw the draft, I wonder how much money they'll lose off the viewership being down. Based off like everything that they have with all their sponsors, because what Odo did to the the, the bracket, it's got to be in the millions. <laughs> yeah, in the, in you know what it is. You you just you're like, hey, don't 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 watch the first. Uh, the, the the series actually start on Thursday, where whenever round two starts. Yeah, that that's when it actually starts, and then you know you just sell them those kind of numbers from there. Don't let them see the average go down by adding in round the round one matchups. Those are pretty brutal. Um, all right, I think for me, I. I got eh, whatever I'll say. Uh, I'm going to be going to Vegas on Thursday, Friday. So I'll be watching those remote for uh, esports awards. We're going to be doing esports awards um, taping there. So that was nice. And then uh, we'll be back at you after the matches uh, next Sunday. Are we going to be live for this one, Monty? No, right? No, we will not be. It'll just pre tape again. Can you explain but, that to our friends? At, oh, that yes. Uh, so if you guys are watching the major, I would highly recommend that you use you watch our co-streams, which are going to be on the, the Twitch channel that you're probably already following. So we have a bunch of watch parties planned in, in collaboration with Esports Bet throughout the, throughout the entire major. And also because we want to get this stuff onto the YouTube channel as fast as possible because we have very limited windows between each phase of the tournament. So the VODs will be coming out the same day that we record them on Sunday the 7th, which is today, and then Sunday the 14th, which is next week. Um, obviously, that's going to be 
pretty long day there with two best of fives directly into the show. But yep. we will persevere. I'm running the Dom schedule now where I, I'm up at 4 a.m. I <laughs> do not envy you, Dom. This is it's horrible. brutal. It's brutal. I don't know how you do it. You guys are doing it for a couple of weeks, and there's like days off. There's a day I, off tomorrow. Hey, I, I, I'm, giving, I'm giving you fucking props, man. The, the whole point was to give you props. That's why I was saying what I did. Light work, light work. You don't you know pain until schedule you wake now. up. You got the 6 a.m. one. That's good. That's nice. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting I'm Yeah, it's perfect for me. When you, when you feel pain is when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you check the LPL schedule and you realize it's fucking sword art playing. That's when you're just like, hell. <laughs> You're there. Well, and you're like oh, maybe if you're lucky, you'll this? check the LEC schedule and see yeah. Sword Art playing. Uh, next yeah, thank thank God that didn't fucking happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. It's at the end. But <laughs> yeah, we'll touch on that next week. Maybe that that news just broke. So yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't. Helps us a ton. Thanks to our friends and our sponsors. We will see you guys next Sunday for the next episode of Power Spike. See ya. <laughs>